when you give your blood. Basically, it's a bit the same. Everyone can do it. And it's probably one of the few places where you can meet basically everyone. As much as the big CEO to someone like uh, maybe a small job, anyone really can give his or her blood. The same as everyone can really carpool. It's probably something that I really find super cool about carpool. Hello and welcome to Shine, a podcast by Star. And in this episode, we're joined by Nicholas Beitou, who is the lead product manager at Blah Blah Car. And in this episode, Nicholas joins us to illuminate the future of carpooling, why this trend is increasing and what we think is going to happen in the future as it collides with other trends such as electric vehicles and autonomous cars let's jump straight into this discussion right now and the first voice you'll hear will be nicholas yeah, hey tom uh, i'm really glad to join you today so um, i'm uh, so nicholas betu lead product manager at blah blah car i joined the company four years ago after six years in strategy consulting at ben and company and today i'm in charge of uh, monetization of uh, the carpool activity so basically our ability to generate revenue uh, from it fascinating and i cannot wait to dive into the i guess the challenges not the challenges you're facing but the the way you're approaching the monetization of car sharing we're going to get into that in the rest of the episode but first just to ensure we're on the same page with all of the audience could you please define what you mean by carpooling and I think it's very good that you asked for a precise definition. So carpooling is the term we use uh, to describe when two or more people share uh, a ride, usually in an effort to reduce uh, traffic congestion, costs, uh, pollution. I think what's important is to probably draw the line between carpooling and ride sharing because a lot of people confuse them. I would say the two main differences between both are uh, the first is carpool is not for profit. So basically, drivers are not professional and they're not making business. Uh, basically, it's only what we call cost contribution. So drivers always end up paying their, their share, actually, of the, of the cost. And the second one is uh, carpooling is opportunistic in the sense that the, the driver do, does the ride anyway. And it's just a way to share the empty seats. Uh, whereas uh, for ride sharing, uh, it's uh, the passenger that uh, requires a specific ride to go in a specific direction. And basically, the driver is at, uh, at the disposal of, uh, of passengers. So that's two main differences. And to stay in this area of carpooling definition, I would probably highlight as well maybe two different carpool activity, I would say, that are pretty different in terms of use case. The first one is long-distance carpool. That is usually, I would say, uh, in competition to train typically uh, or even planes. And that's typically distances of 300 kilometers or more. And we differentiate that from commute carpooling, which is very specific, specific for, let's say, uh, going to work uh, kind of uh, kind of rides. And typically at BlaBlaCar, we have two different applications for both use cases because it's so different. That, uh, and we can cover it a bit later in, in, the, in the discussion if you want, uh, but it's really different. So I would really separate both, both use cases as well. Thank you for the very detailed and specific definition. I think the point you made right at the start of your answer about how it kind of makes sense that we have these big vehicles that can carry all these people, but I don't know what the stats are, but I assume on average, every car journey is done by like 1.5 people maybe. No, it's even less. And there's five ideally like five to seven spaces for people in most cars. I guess you get some two-seater cars, but it totally makes sense 
I want to quickly jump into your into the monetization point because clearly the the monetization of ride sharing when there is a payment occurring is quite trivial. The the people facilitating that would probably just take a cut of the payment. Now, obviously, in carpooling, when there is no pay- payment, the driver isn't doing it for a profit, but they're doing it for, as you say, cost savings. What are the the monetization strategies that are effective here? So that's uh, interesting. We have two different approaches for long distance uh, carpool and for commute, short distance ones. So for long distance carpool, as you say, most of our activity today is uh, taking place online. And so as we say, we take a cut like basically all marketplaces do. So it's a fairly simple, I would say, approach. For a commute carpool, there is a bit of that, but commute carpool is relying as well on public subsidies, uh, which is a fairly different scheme. Uh, that relies on either uh, cities, regions, or even companies uh, providing funds as well to the company to operate it in their area of, uh, of activity. So that's different and that allows to create basically a difference between what the passenger will pay and what the driver will get uh, by providing a bit more to, to the driver in the end. So that allows to have even lower costs for um, uh, for passengers on commute carpool. So the business model is, is a bit different uh, and we're actually exploring yeah, considering even more monetization schemes. So for instance, in uh, Eastern Europe countries, we see that uh, cash is super important for users. And uh, in Ukraine, for instance, there are these systems where you can just top up a kind of wallet in ATMs, basically. You put cash in ATMs and it tops up a wallet that you can have, and it would allow to basically generate revenue for a marketplace such as Blablacar without even having to, to go online or have a credit card. So... Another way is peer to peer. So um, we don't operate in Africa, but it's super uh, used in Africa, for instance, and it's uh, more and more used in, uh, in in Western countries as well. And it's something that we we will explore probably in, in the coming months as well. Awesome. So that's like the current state of where we are. That's what's happening right now with carpooling. What do you think is going to happen in the next five to ten years? I don't have a crystal ball, but I guess that there are a few dimensions that. Basically, it's the, the sense of history, and we see things moving in some directions. So the first one that comes to mind is that transport and basically moving around is going to be more and more connected. Connected has two meanings here. The first one is connected, of course, in the sense of online and digital and through apps and so on, but connected as well in the sense of intermodality, where you'll be able typically to take, for instance, a short distance carpool to the next train t- station or to the airport and then connect to another uh, means of transport. We see typically um, a lot of projects around mobility as a service, and this is typically the kind of direction that uh, that the whole industry is taking. The second dimension uh, is uh, probably autonomous. So. It's yeah the way that uh, history is, is going. And we probably we see a difference between, I would say, large, dense urban centers where probably, I would say, the ownership of cars is going to decrease uh, a lot. And we'll see a centralized fleet available for, for demand. And we could imagine that an actor such as BlaBlaCar uh, could play a role here because basically our job today is to increase the flip rate of cars and yeah, those empty seats that just go around. So even though the stakeholders may be different in the future, basically it's the same kind of, of logic. In less densely populated areas, yeah, personal cars uh, are probably going to remain the dominant uh, mobility solution, honestly. So we'll see what happens. But in that sense, maybe long-distance carpooling is going to change less than, than commute one. 
So that's definitely a, a big change. Then electric mobility is going, of course, is already changing a lot. And it's moving through, I would say, consumers' demand, uh, legal re- uh, constraints for OEMs. So basically, we, we're going to see more and more of that. It doesn't change much the behavior, though. Maybe more, I would say, the, um, the cost dynamic and the PNL of owning, of owning a car, I would say. As um, uh, cost of buying a car and owning a car has really different uh, aspects uh, between um, a thermic vehicle and electric vehicle. So, um, yeah, basically, I would say connected, autonomous is probably like a no-brainer, ecological or electric, and of course, shared. What a wonderful answer. The totally makes sense. Those are the things that are going to help drive the change in carpooling, right? These are the trends that are occurring. They're going to impact what's going to change. I do agree. I think you're right. With your two types of carpooling, it does seem like the short-term inner city carpooling is going to be impacted more longer journeys. I just want to dig a little bit deeper on your point regarding how the stakeholders are going to change, but the logic is still the same. So you're saying, because there'll no longer be a driver who needs to lower their costs, there'll be a fleet owner who may need to lower their costs. Exactly. And so... Although I don't have the specifics of how it's going to happen, and we need really to see who are going to be the main actors, I would say, setting the bar in here. Whereas uh, it's um, even Tesla, I would say, could uh, could own the cars. It could be actors uh, comparable to Enterprise uh, Europe car that uh, basically already have fleets today. But it could be new actors in this area. So definitely it's, it's, it's hard to say as of today. But we probably are going to move towards a more centralized kind of solution, yeah. Sure. And then with the lines between your definition you gave earlier of carpooling and ride-sharing blur, because I assume in that situation, let's say the centralized player has a fleet, they're going to be charging people to make these journeys, right? Probably, yeah. Got it. And so the definitions may blur, but the role for blah, blah, car still exists. I believe very much so, yeah. So typically, when you look at autonomous cars, there's going probably, we know that there are sometimes uh, idle times for autonomous cars, where we see scenarios where cars could just move around empty around the city. So we could imagine that uh, a carpool plays a role here, a very opportunistic list. We could imagine that the black car is pushing more, uh, even by uh, centralizing demand, very much as some, um, I would say, taxi services do today. So... Indeed, we're going to compete probably in different type of actors versus what we are doing today, because basically you won't have any more um, salaries to pay. So as you said, the, the line between making business and optimizing cost is probably going to become blurry. So let's see how it, it goes. Agreed. This is super fascinating because going back to before blah, blah, car, carpooling has always existed, I guess, since cars have existed, right? And what blah, blah, car has done is I shoot well. The question is, do you think you're like aggregating or you're almost tracking these shared car journeys? Do you think that blah, blah, car has increased the amount of carpooling that has happened? So definitely blah, blah, car has played a role in, in making that, I would say, latent behavior mainstream and at scale. So typically in 15 years, we have reached a community size of 100 million users, which is like huge in 22 countries. And probably before we were just standing by the side of the road, asking to go in the nearby city. So it was definitely not scalable. Now we really have this centralized system um, merging both empty seats in cars, but as well more and more on buses. We're exploring trains. So the idea is like we want to be the central place of empty seats, basically, whatever the means of transport. So 
Yeah, definitely. When I see the path that we have taken since uh, basically 2006, when the company was created and now, uh, and how we could project ourselves in the next 15 years, there is a lot, a lot to do in the same area, definitely. Sure. And the, I guess the, the environmental angle is, it must be a driving factor here, where people that are, are environmental conscious would be more likely to carpool. So it's one of the reasons people carpool, but it's today not the first one. So in all, I would say, surveys and discussions, we have focus groups. The first reason to carpool is the West Coast first. The second one is very much social. And that's pretty interesting as uh, it's some sometimes in quite, I would say, overlooked aspect of carpooling. But carpool actually really mixes everyone together in a car and uh, it creates I would say moments of genuine exchanges between people coming from very different backgrounds. Uh, and it's something that is um, that our community really loves. The third aspect is indeed the, I would say, more ecological aspect of carpooling. Um, the fact of sharing the, the car and having less cars on the road. Today, it's really in that order. And I really believe that it's probably, or I hope that it's going to change uh, in the future. As definitely when you see, and you were talking about um, fill-up rates of car, actually what we see is more like 1.1% per car. There is like a huge opportunity to improve that, decrease number of cars, uh, decrease uh, congestions, pollution, number of cars on the road. So so yeah, definitely. And we estimate, we made a study, we estimate that blah, blah, car saves roughly 2 million tons of CO2 per year. So that's the equivalent of an entire city like Paris of CO2 that we remove so that's one of aspect of carpool that I really love. It's not that when we develop the business, we increase the carbon impact of it, and then we try to compensate it. It's by nature, we are carbon negative, and we decrease the amount of CO2 uh, in the air. So that's, and that for me, a very good reason to, to wake up and go to work every morning. Got it. I just want to go back to one other point you made as well regarding when we talk about the future of carpooling. You mentioned electric cars and the impact the electric cars would have on carpooling. Could you share a little bit more detail about that? So today, electric is still marginal, I would say, in the overall, I would say, car pool, <laughs> not car pool, the pool of cars that we see on the roads. The One of the main limitations that cars have, and that is being slowly beaten, is autonomy of them. So um, we see that electric cars are more and more, I would say, a topic for commute carpooling. Not that much uh, at scale, at least in the coming couple of years, I would say, for long-distance carpool. What I'm, I'm saying is that we, one of the topics that we, we will explore is to what extent the different economics, unit economics of uh, electric car is actually changing the business model as much for uh, users of BlaBlaCar as much as for the company. So it's definitely changing, but when you have to charge your car for uh, something like €3 Euro in, in Europe, just to put some electricity in it, it's definitely different than uh, putting a full tank of I don't know, 60 to 80 euros. When we see the rise of gas prices, of petrol prices, uh, a bit everywhere, it's probably going to accelerate this trend. So um, we're going to be super, I would say, attentive and uh, look at this from up close in order to adapt as much as we need. Makes total sense. Now, we've actually covered a few of these points already, but I'll actually challenge you, Nicholas, to try and pick one. And the question is, what is a way in which carpooling is going to make the world a better place in the next five to 10 years? Only one is probably the most difficult part of the question. I think one, I would probably go back to my aspect of, I would say, social aspects of, uh, social aspect of carpooling. For me, carpooling is 
one of the few places where you can really be in contact with diversity. And we see that when we, we survey our members that they really go out of their usual social circles uh, when, they, when they carpool. And I had actually one recent, uh, I would say, uh, comparison to that. And it's one of the very few that I found. It's um, when you give your blood. Uh, basically, it's a bit the same. Everyone can do it. And it's probably one of the few places where you can meet basically everyone. As much as the big CEO to uh, someone like uh, maybe a small job, I don't know, uh, or even like a, a nurse. Anyone really can, uh, can, uh, can give his or her blood. The same as everyone can really carpool. And it's, I think, when, one's beauty of, of uh, carpool and probably at a time where uh, empathizing is, uh, feels more necessary than ever, it's probably something that I really find super cool about carpool. Yeah, that's a, definitely an insight I wasn't aware of before this interview. And I'm really glad you actually chose that because I think there's a couple of reasons actually why that's going to be so promising for the future is obviously, yes, at a time when understanding of each other is more important but also that at the same time over the past like two years where we have maybe lost connection with other people because we've been potentially locked down etc and so that more like feeling of belonging you can gain by meeting new people in examples like giving blood or carpooling is also a massive benefit for people so nicholas i want to thank you for coming on and enlightening us about how you guys monetize carpooling what you see happening with the future of carpooling and ultimately why carpooling is such a, a promising trend for the future of mobility thanks a lot for having me today it was really a pleasure to discuss with you and thank you so much for listening to this episode of shine a podcast by star the core thing that i kind of took from this episode was that carpooling is a trend that has multiple benefits environmental social for consumers but at the same time it's going to become more important and a more powerful force for good as it combines with other trends within mobility such as electric vehicles and autonomous cars so i want to thank nicholas for coming on and illuminating this topic for our audience and also thank you for listening